Okay, you, you see that I have a sport coat on, right? Right, okay, it's nice, right? Okay, I'm gonna take it off. Um, yeah. So that you'll feel more comfortable for my having taken it off. And you won't worry about me being too hot. Um, today is Trinity Sunday. You can tell it's Trinity Sunday by all these triangles and threes up here. Trinity Sunday is the Sunday that comes after Pentecost every year. Uh, Trinity Sunday gets almost no recognition because it frequently falls on Memorial Day weekend, sometimes on Mother's Day, uh, sometimes after school gets out. There are no sales. I don't want that on, please. Uh, there are no sales. Okay. There are no sales. Uh, there are no coupons for Trinity Sunday. So you have to guess what Trinity Sunday is about. I'm going to tell you. Um, but before we get into Trinity Sunday, um, I want to talk about the system of relationship they had in the first century. It was called the patronage system. The patronage system was, um, was where the little people honored the big people who would provide for them and uh, protect them and look out for them. The patronage system is what the Godfather is all about. If you honor the Godfather, the Godfather will do certain things for you. If you don't honor the Godfather, you will be punished. The patronage system um, is kind of existent today. It's where we want access to people who have power. And you know, it's not so much what you know that matters or what you have that matters. It's who you know that matters. Um, it happens several times every year. I will get called by a colleague who will say, could you arrange a meeting with me with Chris Bradley or Kim Jacobs so that we could get them to speak at our church or at our community gathering? Uh, Kim and Chris are seen as so distant and far removed. They need a patron like me to get access. So it's who you know, you know. Um, can you arrange a meeting with the, the mayor for me? Can you arrange a meeting with a city council people person? Can you arrange a meeting with the president? You know, we, we like that access. We want a patron who will look out for us. Um, Thursday, Thursday I was um, visiting people at First Community Village in Upper Arlington and on the way home, I was driving home, it was about quarter till four, and uh, my car broke down in Upper Arlington. And it broke down in front of a no parking sign <laughs> that you could not park there after four. And it was about quarter till four. And I thought, oh Lord, I've heard rumors about Upper Arlington. You know, what will happen to me? What will happen to me? This is a strange side street. What will happen? 
And um, I thought, well, you know, what I know isn't going to help me. Do I know anybody in Upper Arlington that could help me and protect me from being towed? Because the tow truck would be coming after four. And then it dawned on me. The police chief of Upper Arlington is a member at King Avenue. I'm safe. I'm safe. I know Tracy Hahn. I prayed at her installation. I have connections. I have a patron in Upper Patronage is very important. In the first century, the patron was the emperor. If you wanted a job, if you wanted a position, if you wanted land, if you wanted a title, you connected to the emperor who could give that and provide for you. In the religious world, it was the temple. It was the priest system. You know, the priest would give you access to God. That was your patron. You know, and the Catholic Church still has this patron system. You have patron saints who will give you access to God because the um, God is so distant and removed. And that's what happens in a patronage system. The, the person from whom you seek favors seems so distant and so far off that you need an intermediary to make contact for you. And in a patronage system, it is about, well, if you don't honor the patron, the patron will punish you. You're either rewarded or punished, but they seem very distant. And that's what happens with God in a patronage system. God seems very distant and very far removed, and God will punish us or reward us. I mean, language that's indicative of a patronage system is, um, why did God do this to me? Why did the powerful God do this to little me? I am being punished in some way. That's patronage thinking. Jesus entered the world in a system that was patronage. Who you knew. And Jesus um, pretty much overturned that whole system. He said, you know, the emperor isn't your patron. The temple is not your patron. The priests are not your patron. I am. I am. I am the gate. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He is saying, I will give you access to God. I will give you access to the abundant life. I am what it is about. This is one of the chief reasons why Jesus was crucified. Because he was basically saying, you don't need to pay offerings to get in favor with God. You don't need to fund the temple to have God love you. God loves you. That's what grace is. You don't need to kiss up to people because God provides the abundance. Yeah. This got him in hot water. What Jesus is doing is giving us a different way of seeing God 
and a different way of relating to God. We tend to relate to God in a vertical way, as if God is our patron who will reward or punish us. But Jesus is saying, no, it's not this distant vertical relationship. It's a horizontal relationship with God, where we call God Abba, not Godfather, but Daddy. It's intimate and it's relational. And in John's gospel, he talks about, you know, God is in the Father. God is God and the Son and the Spirit and what, what the Spirit does, the Son sees and the Father approves of. And you get this interchange of the, Father, the God is in me and I am in the Spirit and the Spirit is in God and so on. It's a horizontal relationship you have between God and Spirit and Jesus. And Jesus, in his language, is modeling that horizontal relationship with God and the Spirit. Paul picks up on that language and behavior of Jesus when he says, when we cry, Abba, Father, you know, we say, Daddy, not Godfather, not Lord, not distant, but here on our level. Now, Jesus and Paul never use the word Trinity. They never say Trinitarian language, but that's what they're talking about. Trinitarian language is, is horizontal language. Patronage language is vertical. And it really changes how we see God and how we relate to God. Trinity is three. One is vertical. One is about the distant God. It's about the unmoved mover, the uncaused cause. It's about self-sufficiency and autonomy. God doesn't really need us. Two is about binary or dualism. Two is male-female, black-white, rich-poor, gay-straight, first world, third world. It's oppositional if we think in terms of two. But three Three is a community. Three is about relationships. Three is about mutuality. It's a very different way of seeing the world. It's a way of seeing the world in community. You know, when Susan and I, Susan and I were married for five years before we had our first child. And looking back on it, I'd say that our marriage didn't really change us much. Our life before marriage didn't change too much to what it was before. You know, we, we were still both pretty free. We still didn't have to think of much other than ourselves and our schedule. But adding that third person, 
really changed our lives and it really changed our schedules and it really changed how we related to each other and how we related to the world because there's that third person moving in our life and being dynamic and creating a sense of relationship and a sense of community. In Genesis, when God creates the world, very beginning, God says, let us create humanity in our image, in our image. It isn't one, it's more than one. So right there, it's not a patronage model. It's going to be a horizontal model that it's about creation embedded in creation is relationship. Embedded in creation is mutuality. Embedded in creation is community. That's how the world operates. You know, there's a relationship between the atoms and the molecules and the planets and bodies in the world. There's a relationship between people. There's this flow when there's three or more, you know, in this mutuality. And what God has in mind is it doesn't just remain three, this flow of love and forgiveness and relationship. God wants to invite a fourth into it and a fifth and a sixth and wants all the world and all the people to be involved in this relationship. It is not exclusive. When Paul talks about this Trinitarian relationship, he uses the pronoun we a lot. It isn't just I, it's we. And he uses the preposition with a lot. We are with God. We are with the Spirit. We are with Christ. We are with each other. With is a preposition. It's not up or down. It's level. You know, we eat with people. We go to church with people. We study with people. Uh, we live with people. We're all on the same horizontal level of community. And that's Paul's description of God and it's this description of the church. We identify with each other. We're in this together. At the end of this passage in Romans, Paul says, since, since we suffer with Christ, we will be glorified with Christ. Now, we can understand that suffering passage in one of two ways. And it's important how we understand this suffering passage. Since we suffer with Christ, we will be glorified with him. I've always interpreted that passage, I'm going to say wrongly, where if I suffer, God, the patron, will reward me, will give me goodies. You know, if I deny myself, God, the patron, will reward me. 
I don't think that's what it means. I think it means if I'm in this horizontal relationship with Christ, if I rejoice when Christ rejoices, if I hurt when Christ joys, hurts, if I cry when Christ cries, if what breaks Christ's heart breaks my heart, in a sense I feel Christ's pain. Just by the nature of being in relationship, I feel his pain. If I'm in relationship with Susan, I feel her pain. If I'm in relationship with my kids, I feel their pain. And I also feel their joy and I also feel their happiness. It's just the nature of being in relationship. It's not a reward or punishment. It's not anything we deserve. It's just that we're with each other. And it happens. And so when I suffer, it's not God's punishment. It's being in relationship with God. And what's being in relationship with God is basically what saves me because I know God's in it with me to strengthen and support me. This Trinitarian notion that Jesus and Paul introduce to our understanding of God certainly changes how we relate to God and how we see God. But it also changes how we see others. I don't see you oppositionally. You don't see me oppositionally. We see each other and we invite others into the community and into the blessing of the mutuality. One writer refers to this trini Trinity thing as a dance, as a dance. I like to see it as a square dance because that's the only dancing I can do competently. But in a square dance, you know, you change partners and you move around, you keep your identity, but you have many different partners. And the square dance, you know, it can just get bigger and bigger as more people come. And you include more people. And actually, it's better more people that you have because you can have more squares. And I think the goal of a, of a trinity of the three is actually to become four, to become a square, and then to become a pentagon, and then to become a hexagon, and then to become a septagon, and you know the rest of it. You know, it's to increase it because when we think in a Trinitarian fashion, it changes how we relate to each other and we begin to include others in the dance. So our choice is to see God as the Godfather or to see God and Christ and the Spirit as a community into which we are invited and our neighbor is invited. May it be so. Amen.